All right, Zig coming in on the top. Today on the show, we have Veronica Swift, a storyteller, singer-songwriter known as a sophisticated jazz vocalist, is coming out with her new album, self-titled Veronica Swift. This album genre switches so fast, you're going to hurt your neck trying to follow it. She does so in the best ways as well. We're going to listen to a tune, but before that, today, the day that this podcast is being released, September 20th, 2023, Veronica Swift is playing at the Beachland Tavern. I shouldn't say today. Tonight. Tonight. Veronica Swift is playing at the Beachland Tavern. So, if you dig what you hear and you want to go see it live, tonight's the night to go check it out. That's September 20th, 2023. If you're hearing this in the future, you missed it. But tonight is the night at the Beachland Tavern. Veronica Swift, you got to be there. This is the first track off the album, I Am What I Am. Oh, I am what I am. I am my own special creation. So come, come take a look. Give me the hook or the ovation. It's my work that I want to take a little pride in. My it's not a place I have to hide in. Your life is a sham. Till you can say, hey world, I am what I am. Am, am, Some think it's pretty And so what if I love each feather and each bangle Why not try to see things from a different angle Life's not worth a damn Till you can shout out loud I am what I am Ba-do-ba-do-ba-do-ba-do-ba-do-ba-do-ba-do-ba-do-ba-do-ba-do-ba-do-ba-do-ba-do-ba-do-ba-do-ba-do-ba-do-ba-do-ba-do-ba-do
Am what I am off the album Veronica Swift, self-titled. Tonight at the Beachland Tavern, um, Veronica Swift, be there. Uh, if you dig the Beachland Tavern and you would want to uh, endure my shenanigans, October 7th, my band Sea Level, or C Dash Level, or High Energy Funk Punk Reggae Rock Group that takes acoustic 12 string instruments and runs them to Marshall amplifiers. We are opening for MSSV featuring Mike Baguetta, Stephen Hodges, and Mike Watt at the Beachland Tavern October 7th. Uh, also, we are opening for the band Pacifier at the Grog Shop October 19th. And uh, that's all the plugs I got. Anyway, here we go. Here's my conversation with Veronica. Well, one thing I found interesting, like, diving into, like, uh, getting ready to talk with you is, like, your background seems to be all all over the place in a way. Like, I've heard you tell stories about being on the road with your family um, as they're playing jazz clubs. And then I've also heard you say you grew up on a farm. So I'm like, where's yeah. she coming from? So Yeah. Yeah. So my mom, her father, my grandfather, he had the farm. Oh, and okay. so I grew up in Charlottesville, Virginia. Um, on the farm, but my parents were weekend warrior touring because my mom taught at UVA vocal, uh, you know, vocal lessons. And so in the weekends and in the summer, of course, we were always touring, but weekends were consisted of like Baltimore, DC, you know, uh, the blues, um, was it blues alley in DC, uh, Baltimore, uh, you know, um, got 
Philadelphia, New York, Boston, we would just go up the coast every weekend or so. And um, of course, before nine years old, I was on the road with them at just just hanging out as a kid because they couldn't get someone to watch me or something. But then at nine years old, I kind of jumped up on stage and started singing with them. First time being the jazz standard in New York City. And it just that's how the whole thing started. And and also there were the summers, too, you know. So I joined a I joined a like a kids uh, youth jazz band like a program from the school that um called the young rascals jazz project and that was my first uh professional experience getting paid you know when i was 10 um i sang and played trumpet and every summer we'd go to play the telluride jazz festival and albuquerque and tour there that area okay so like so yeah that's that's wild because that's kind of like a and b <laughs> that's like both ends it's the of- best of both worlds and if you, if you know me it makes sense like that's how I am. I love like the be- getting the best of both worlds, you know, like the rural and the, and the urban and same thing with genres, you know? Well, and I definitely think that that comes to life on your latest album. Like it, it's everywhere, <laughs> like in the best way, <laughs> yeah. in the best way. Um, so that's so, like with a musical family, like I imagine, like I, I, I got to imagine like singing is just something that happens when, when you're around a family that's just kind of like musical like that. Um, did you, did you kind of, was that the case or was it, was it not, not the case, I guess? Yeah. I mean, for me, it's the best way to describe it is it's like, rather than there being like a moment, just in terms of singing, because I started so young, there wasn't really like a moment where I was like, oh, I want to do that. You know, it, yeah. like some people have that light bulb. The light bulb moment for me was really in regards to rock and roll specifically when I, when I started getting into that shit, when I was like, you know, uh, 11, 12, but with singing itself, it was just like, and with jazz specifically, um, a lot of people would assume like, it was like, it's like a, something like I'm, I'm living my passion. Right. But it's no, it, I, the best way to describe it is it's really just like when you grow up speaking a language in your family, whether it's, you know, English or Spanish, your first language, but the language that's spoken at home, that was bebop because my mom and dad, that's what the music they played. That are the records that they listened to. And um, that was what they, you know, I was on the road hearing and some of the greatest bebop musicians uh, that they played with. Um, and so it's something that just is intrinsically there that informs everything else I do, but it's not like something I actively really pursued. There may have been like a little phase here and there, but it's just ingrained. And you pick as a kid, you pick that stuff up through osmosis, you know, like when you were a child learning language, you're like, copy the sounds, you know, you don't know what they mean until a little later, right? Sometimes, but um, yeah, like you're copying the sounds. I'm copying the, listening to the musical phrases and singing them, you know, whether it's Charlie Parker or Ella Fitzgerald. That's like, and what I guess what, a, as far as like that music's concerned, what a great time to be like kind of doused in it. You know what I mean? Because when you <laughs> yeah, really- the, st- the, like that, like that golden age of like when you're so young that you're not like, there's no uh, like, bad habits or inhibitions right you're just purely listening right. <laughs> and and like if you start to think about some of that stuff too much you, you don't you don't say it you, there, there's a weight to it and like oh this is this is too lofty of a word mm-hmm. to use in this sentence but when you're a kid you're like arduous blah, 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 you know you're just saying whatever yeah you just start <laughs> using the word arduous even if it doesn't make any sense like this <laughs> piano is arduous this or or this, uh, I'm feeling arduous out in the sun today. You know, you just, you just use, but you're, like, <laughs> whatever. 
Like, oh, yeah. like literally being like a good word that kids kind of like do the same thing oh, with in yeah. a way, you know? <laughs> that's so true. I never thought of that. <laughs> but that's, that's fascinating. Um, so you were also playing, you were playing trumpet before? Or was yeah, that? Yeah, I played ca- piano okay. and trumpet before I sang. I mean, I mean, I was singing choirs as a kid, but, but no, piano was where I developed. That's where I, you know, developed a kind of like orchestral understanding because you can see like the bass and the left hand, the right hand's chords and melody and the, you know, you kind of have a whole orchestra at your hands to play with and playing Bach fugues and stuff like that and Joplin rags and Beethoven and whatever. Just understanding really my first passion was classical music because I just loved like how I love tracing like this whole what this whole record's about is tracing the lineage, right? And connecting these genres to each other in some of the most random, seemingly random ways, but they're not. Um, that's what I loved about classical music as a kid. I loved starting with whatever Joplin and going backwards and trying to trace back now how did Joplin and how did Gershwin get this? Oh, I see WC and Ravel. Where did they get their stuff from? Oh, that's cool. They have like Chinese and what the, back then they called it Oriental music. But you know, back in the late 1800s like the world fair and those are basically like music festivals right they that's where all people were coming together to hear stuff there's no social media to look at bands and instruments from around the world that was the world's fair and all that sort of stuff that where the people got to see and be exposed to those things so composers that was like a pretty interesting time that's why i love the impressionist music and and of course yeah mozart having been really a lot of composers didn't tour, you know, they had to stay in their court. But Mozart was touring as a young child, which exposed him to so many other things. That, that, so I just I just love the history of it. You have to be a historian to be a musician, I think, properly. Well, and and like the more you kind of look back at some of these composers and some of their like their habits in a way like you, you in lifestyles, you're like, aside from the time shifts you're like there's these there's there's this uh, common occurring like characters and like like yes. you know like because I found I found that same <laughs> oh, yes. thing fascinating learning about the history of some of these composers almost made their music more interesting to me oh was, yeah knowing like, the story behind why they wrote a certain piece or something yeah mm. oh that's okay so so you're playing this and you're diving back into stuff and I, so that at 11 is when rock and roll strikes, but you already had that professional <laughs> gig at, at 10. So it's like, you're already doing it to some degree. What was the, what right. was the kind of rock bug that bit you? Who were some of those? Queen, artists? queen, queen, okay. queen, queen, and more queen. No, I'll <laughs> tell you, there was a lot of, of course, a lot of bands. Yeah. Um, Deep Purple, Queen. Um, I mean, I include Michael Jackson, even though he's like multi-genre pop artist. He, I, he's rock and roll. Let's be honest, his energy. So like Michael Jackson, um, uh, the Beatles was how I learned how to harmonize. Um, but Queen was like, when I realized like, oh my God, this is the band for me. Um, this, the, between the glamminess and then like the super, like it's super muso and in some ways like complicated, but subtly and like it's, but it's super palatable and they're just great hooky songs and the, the voices, you know, I can't get over Brian May's guitar tone and Freddie's sound and, and, uh, also because of the classical at that time I was super into classical music. And I said, when I found this, I was like, Oh my God, you can put this shit together. <laughs> and I, can I say shit? I'm sorry. Yeah, no, do it. Yeah, no, that. you're, you're good. <laughs> the, the bits I tear, I'll tear out, you know, this is like yeah, I'm saying, yeah, this yeah. isn't by no means for them. This is to tell everyone about your show at the Beachland, um, which is coming up 
quick. Coming up tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow. Tonight, tomorrow, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Tomorrow night. It's going to be so much fun. I This is my first step. Like, cause, you know, I've been singing jazz, jazz mostly. And now we're like completely changing things up. You know, now I get to sing all the genres I love in one place, which is, has been an interesting um, experiment over the last few years of doing this show is we're like, we can play this show in a performance a performing arts center with orchestra symphony halls which i have that yeah. show yeah and we do heavy on the classical stuff but everything works for like symphony halls little jazz clubs rock and roll clubs i performed this show on stage at hollywood bowl for the music festival there wow. and it yeah. trans like you don't have to change the show it's just it translates no matter where you're playing or who you're playing for and that's been my dream since I was a little kid. And so now I'm getting to finally take the first step to playing rock venues, you know, and bring this stuff. Yeah, bring this music to a whole new audience that has yet to discover me and know me. And so Beachland is just the first uh, first step in that direction. That's amazing. Did you like so kind of like going into like the, the jazz realm of things like have you noticed like um, and this isn't like to, to dog or anything like but mm-hmm. has there been a acceptance to all these different genres more so in other venues than than other other venues <laughs> like is a rock well, club if, more accepting yeah. to like a you just going from um this this like rock funk tune like this sick take of like a james brown version of closer into just like <laughs> scatting maybe more so than like a a chaz fest would be so um first off like we when we when we play the show, the people are right there with us. Like, there's no trepidation on the people's part. They're they're yeah. there for yeah. it. But uh, if there is any trepidation, it's only because whoever is booking us hasn't seen the show yet. You know, they're like they have no idea how it works. And then when they come see it, they go, "Oh, now I get it." It's one of this. It's just like the Dresden Dolls. You know. Yeah. There's some bands out there. Like there are bands out there that are super commercially. You know, we can market this and package this in a nice, pretty little box. But then it's like, you know, you know what you're going to get. It's not there's nothing really dangerous about it. There's nothing raw and visceral. Right. And so what I love about bands like the Dresden Dolls and Queen is that they were, you know, first off, they were themselves unapologetically. And I think that's how everyone should be, no matter if you're an artist or not. Um, But then they there was no there wasn't really no catering to what people's expectations were. That's what I love. And I love being a part of a sh- in the audience for a show like that too. And one of the main things people say to have said to me at shows is they either go, I'm not a jazz fan, but I love what you do. Or I'm not a rock fan, but I love this show. And that's like, well, sorry to break it to you, but now you're a jazz and rock fan. You're all these <laughs> things. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah. No, that's amazing. And I think like it's it, it, what moves people's music. You know, the genre is just like how you said a way to categorize it. Um, yeah, but it's, good music it, is good music. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, what like and like with this whole record, the whole record you're coming out with, like just from that first tune, it goes from like a jazz. Uh, it's a Broadway standard, right? Um, yeah, and then it goes into that that classical scat, and I was like, that was <laughs> like the coolest thing I think. Oh. I was like, wow, that's so sick. How did that? How did was that like? I, maybe I don't know the piece, and maybe that's in there somehow. But uh, what inspired the like? the melding of those two genres in that particular song like that. Yeah. Um, for, well, I, I picked that song to open with, uh, and then I picked Don't Rain in My Parade to close with, because these two uh, theater kind of 
anthems, gay anthems and self-expression anthems that bookend the whole record. Uh, but of course we end it because we've taken you on this journey and end punk. So we start with jazz because that's where it all started for me when I was a kid growing up, as I mentioned, with my parents and having grown up on the road with parents as jazz musicians and singing that music. Uh, so it had to be a jazz tune to start with. Um, bebop specifically. Uh, and then I wanted to get people to know me a little more by putting in the... I actually wrote that set, that fugue yeah? section. No way. That's a, a original. That's amazing. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's because of my first love being Baroque music and, and Bach and Handel. That was what I picked up before jazz or rock and roll or anything it was always baroque music that i loved my mom used to put on the harpsichord concerto and brandenburg concertos when i would go to bed thinking i would be going to sleep but i was not going to sleep i was wide awake just trying to sing along and i just loved how all of the the lines kind of weave in and out of each other you know um how they harmonically go to different keys and tonal centers and then find their way back and that's what i loved about that kind of music so i was I had to put that in there since this first song is one, it's the theme of the record. So it's important. Um, but two, I, I, yeah, I wanted people to get to know that side of me as well. And it, every album on this album, every song, there's a connecting through line genre uh, from piece to piece, which is intentionally done. You have, that's the only way this kind of record works. You can't just do a mashup record. You know, it's, it's gotta have a, a through line with, for example, like the Bach, thing and then the bebop and the bebop is then translated into closer mm. right because yeah. it has the scat yeah. solo in the middle right and so then there's that rock and then you have the rock and funk element in the next the do nothing's here for me and so yeah from piece to piece it's all connected that's incredible was that like um and i kind of listening to your story like from our conversation was that like how some of these genres came to your story, like having this love for classical music, but playing jazz music and going back and trying to find those influences or appreciation. Oh, yeah. For it. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, and if you're talking, you're talking about the, the placement of yeah, yeah, in yeah, that yeah, song like, particularly. And is that what you're talking about? The, yeah, the yeah. placement of the, the fugue in that song? Right, that and like, yeah. I, I guess, well, I guess it'd be kind of hard to be like, ah, Nine Inch Nails before James Brown. That might that might have been reversed. Uh, you know, but as far as like oh. a concept f throughout the record, like... Oh, yeah, I see. What, so like you're, ta you're asking if, uh, if specifically from song to song, if the artists and the genres was the ordering of how I discovered them? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah, no, that... Um, I, I didn't do it that way um, because also you have to consider programming and keeping people like I think of it like right. a show. Like I, if I put all the classical songs in the beginning, then it would just be a lot of slow stuff in the record, you know, slow, <laughs> yeah. slow, 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 slow. And then a bunch of fast, 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 up, up, up. So in terms of programming, I had to uh, connect it differently. Not it, It's not like um, correlating with um, in order of appearance, so to speak, you know, gotcha. But, it's just yeah. where, but that's 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 so cool to like, to have that through line like that. I listened through the album a few <laughs> times and like I, I noticed each change and like I was like, but I I didn't step back and be like, oh that one's going into that one and like, which is incredible. That makes it even cooler. <laughs> like, oh, thank you. I'm glad. I'm glad you. I'm glad you dig it. You know, on um, your wavelength. I was really like, cause I, when I got the email from Michelle, like getting the, getting that the first performance clip, which was uh, the closer tune. Um, yeah. And what, what kind of, I guess uh, on that topic, what, 
spoke to that as being like a funk tune? Was that like how what brought mm-hmm. that to your attention that this would be the way to take well, that I had, one on? Right. Right. I, I actually wrote that arrangement in college. I went to University of Miami and did fusion. I did funk fusion ensemble. And yeah. I don't know what happened, but I think I was just listening. That was back when I was in college. I was super, uh, I had like my alternative goth metal band called Vera Icon, which was like basically Marilyn Manson, Nine Inch Whoa. Nails and all that shit. So that's when, yeah. and I actually got to hang out with Marilyn Manson, which was the what? best day ever. Hold on. Put yeah. a pin in that. Put it, okay. <laughs> yeah. But at that time, you know, I was I was uh, also in school, so I was doing my funk fusion thing, and I remember just like listening to Closer one day and singing the bass line and thinking, "Wow, Nine Inch Nails is really just an industrial funk band. Like they are such, they are like, that's the difference between them and other industrial rock bands. Like these guys are funk, rooted in funk music, right? And like to that bass line, I was, I just kind of stripped that song of all the elements and just got to the the root baseline of that if you speed it up then i'm then i'm like oh wait clyde stubblefield and james brown and cold sweat right they match up yeah perfectly and i'm like okay and that's what we're doing so it's interesting for any of you artists listening that want to arrange stuff differently you know you strip the song down to to nothing but one element whether it's the bass line or the chord changes out of time and then see if you can self you know superimpose anything that's totally a different genre onto that and that's kind of how the process the transgenre process takes place mm. But the key is you can't change the melody or lyrics. Like that's got to stay to stay true to the the tune, you know. Right, right, right. Well, because at that point, then it's like then it's making your own song. If yeah. You, if you start to change or, or just sample in a way that you can create yeah. on top of that, that's an that's a it's. I think that's an incredible like to really take one bit and shed the rest to really analyze <laughs> something from that that perspective. I imagine as like going through school and learning like composition and like analyzing classical pieces and all these different genres, I'd imagine like someone like you who, who's influenced and inspired by all these different types of sounds and like configurations and stuff kind of hears that maybe a little bit more in a way because you were bouncing from genre to genre. Yeah. 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 It's, you definitely see a different side of, of music in general when you do a, a show like this kind of way. Um, it's it's definitely like more of it's a musical statement, but it's also just a personal statement as well. And it's been permeating and resonating with people um, outside of you know. It, this is not just like music for musicians. Yeah. You know. Well, and maybe not so. even like a, as much of a difference, but a, a similar a through line, a similarity. Yeah. Of, if the genre is only uh, when does the genre become a genre when it has a song about <laughs> exactly. itself? Exactly. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah, like, that's so interesting. <laughs> Because I've been, I've been, that drives me crazy. Like funk's awesome, but then there's a song that's like, we just want the funk, which is a great song. But if if that's done in a corny or a trying to algorithmically work way, it's like, yeah, oh, that's not cool. Same with like a country song about being country. You know what I mean? Like, um, that's yeah, always. I think the only people that can get away with this are rock and rollers. I, I maybe <laughs> maybe. I think maybe blues guys are the only ones that can get away because like, I know, no, I know. Yeah. <laughs> it all it all starts and ends with the blues, man. Yeah, 
Well, so about hanging out yeah. with Marilyn Manson, unpin that. How was that? How'd that happen? Um, when I was doing Vera Icon, um, yeah. which was my rock, goth rock opera that I wrote. Um, That's amazing. Which I have, I'm waiting for the day where it makes sense to release that music, you know. Uh, but we had like our band down in Southern Florida playing rock clubs. And uh, my manager at the time was um, his name uh, for this project. His name is John Tovar, who just passed away recently. He was manson's first manager when manson was living in F fort lauderdale yeah and so tovar every time manson comes to town of course uh tovar gets uh backstage tickets and because they still you know they were still friendly um and so yeah tovar took me to manson's show and introduced me to him and i guess manson picked up a good vibe from me thank god because i i'm such a, he's one of my heroes and he uh, invited me on the bus and we hung out and talked for like five hours. Whoa. Just about, about music and literature and the, the state of music and life and who, where we come from. Just, you know, getting to know each other. And that was almost 10 years ago, but it was like, I hope to see him again down the road. That, what were some of like, like, was, was there any like mind altering, like, oh, I've never read that or I've never thought of it like that? Like, yeah, I don't, I don't really, actually, he did, because we were talking about, this project, the Vera Icon project, which that was where my heart was at that time. And he said like anything theatrical, which nowadays, you know, it's changed. It's, I mean, this kind of thing is coming back. Like the hard rock, like gothy industrial rock and roll with glam stuff is back. But back in the 2010s, I mean, that was not in style. And so he was actually like, you might be better off marketing this in like the theater world and like kind of doing like a headwig kind of thing. Yeah. And I was like, oh man, I never thought of that. Because I'm that's you get a more open minded audience there with like the off Broadway alternative kind of you know, like the Dresden dolls, exactly what they did. I mean, I use them as an example all the time because they're such a unique like they don't sound like anyone else out there. And they have made such a firm like firm grassroots building and like have a, and they're one of the biggest like alternative underground bands out there still doing the thing and still growing that's that's such a cool experience though especially like during oh, that yeah. time to be like doing that thing and hanging out with like the the heavy hitter of that you know of that type of music yeah <laughs> that's awesome yeah. um another thing i wanted to ask about you were working on a film or writing a film Oh, this was during COVID. I was, right. you know, what else was I going to do? <laughs> but I, that's something dumb that, you know, David Bowie is one of my heroes in terms of how many different artistic mediums he was involved in. And if I ever get my life to a place where I can, you know, financially and, and also in the scene substantially uh, support a project, I would love to work on this film again. I just kind of did it guerrilla filmmaking back with these, uh, with this independent film company I'm friends with in Virginia. Um, but yeah, it's a, that was um, kind of like a, a horror psychological thriller that I wrote. Um, yeah, that's something I do as well. So cool. As far as like, uh, so, okay, so was that at all adjacent to this opera? No, no, that, okay. that's a different universe. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Um, but but there is a, an independent filmmaker in Miami who is hoping to make... Um, they have a, a deal with Amazon when they want to make some horror films. And yeah. in which case this rock opera is perfect. It's, it's totally, it's about a homicidal nun. So there you go. Oh my God. Who joins the cult. <laughs> That's amazing. <Yep>. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, 
Uh, so that would be perfect for, I think that, that that might be in the works down the road for like a musical film, horror film. Kind of like, you know, like Rocky Horror, but that's a little more goofy, but like a repo or something, you know? Yeah, that's so sick. Um, <laughs> so like um, one thing, another thing I heard from another interview is you, you kind of, you identify yourself as like a storyteller and just through a yep. little bit of a conversation through all these different mediums, like, and this album itself, like there's this, this narrative, which is ultimately who you are in this music that moves you put together in a way that you want to move other people. Uh, like as far as like when it comes to like crafting these stories and like your, 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 your like, I imagine there's got to be some kind of creative, like, uh, um, like practice that there is to diving into that. And like, do you, do you, I guess my question is, do you have, uh, a, a, a process for like honing this, this storytelling, in all these different mediums like is did you just write a film because it popped up and like it was clear to you at that point or you know what i mean or well or... i i've always when it comes to writing because i'm a composer and lyricist as well and this when i'm writing songs or when i'm coming up with um a film script idea or writing a musical um the story itself um just like the melody and lyric uh for me it kind of just pops in and comes from seemingly nowhere, but I'm sure it's coming from some subconscious place. I'm unaware of what's going on while the information that goes in through the computer and comes out. Um, but I, I run with what I'm given when I, you kind of know in the moment if you're given something that's really good and you have to stop the presses and just, just get it down. And then eventually maybe you find connections with other unfinished things. They're like, Oh, that goes with this, that drum groove. I came up comes with that. That's all kind of secondary stuff, but that initial thing really does is come from nowhere. I'm almost hearing a song in my head already finished and I just have to write it down. Um, same thing with, with the script. I, I, I really just, how I did with the fugue, writing the fugue, I just put my phone on record and place it down and just talk to myself in different characters or I'll just start improvising a fugue kind of just like whatever go i'll mess up here and there but then you listen back to what you've that's coming from your straight subconscious there's no process (laughs) there's no like yeah but that that is that is the process in that way it's just like yeah it's just getting it out and like yes sir that's so cool that's so cool Yeah, it's like it's like primary, secondary, and tertiary. There's like you know different process for each one, but that primary first in in first process really is just um, getting down what putting down what's coming from God or whatever it is you call what we call you know that where that that unknown place is spiritually. That the creative spark. Well, yeah. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time, and thank you for calling. Great and... frickin' questions, by the way. Oh, thanks. I really enjoy this. Cool, cool. Well, I'm, I'm <laughs> You're going to be at Beachland? I'm going to try. Um, Yay! What... Yo, Spike Spiegel here. You just listened to Zig of the Gig podcast. Keep riding the bebop. See you, Space Cowboy. Bang.